Church, you can go ahead and have a seat wherever you are as we dig into uh, to the message this morning. We are in part three of our series, Christmas Comes Close. And the idea of the series is to be reminded and to remember that God is a God who draws near to us in this socially distanced world. And I'd like to begin this morning with an invitation for you to invite your one, your friend, your neighbor, your coworker, um, the uh, person in your family, that you want to experience the love and the grace of Jesus this Christmas. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, December 23 and 24, we have our Christmas worship experiences. And we've been preparing, and we have all this special uh, content and projects that we've been working on. I can't wait to experience that with all of you. So it's a great time to invite your one, to invite somebody to experience the love and grace of Jesus this Christmas. Uh, Part one of the Christmas Comes Close series, remember, was about knowing God in the valleys. We said that it's, it's easy to enjoy God on the mountaintops, but really we learned we grow to know God in the valleys. And then part two last week was about hearing God in the wilderness. Remember we said, why is it that when life gets so difficult that God seems so quiet? And we said that he's quiet because he's close and he's encouraging us to lean in and to hear what he has to say. And now today we, we, we see God in the storms of life. And so maybe this series is about giving you some language to talk about whatever it is that you're going through, uh, whether it's a valley, a wilderness, or a storm. And I'll tell you, storms are acute. Storms are powerful. Sometimes storms come up like out of nowhere, and, and you find yourself in one, maybe even before you recognize it. That's what storms are. And then storms leave sometimes very, very quickly as well. Somebody told me, this is, not, uh, this is not an exciting message, it's not necessarily encouraging, but somebody told me, uh, Dirk, you are uh, always either just heading into a storm and you, need, uh, and you need some perspective, you need some hope, uh, you're in a storm or you're coming out of a storm and you need perspective on looking back at it. Either in a storm, you're coming into a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. It's not exactly like a stand-up, amen kind of message, but where's the lie? <laughs> It's true, though, isn't it? Like these storms, it's either ahead of us, behind us, or you're in one right now. And about a fun fact is in the early uh, 1950s is when U.S. meteorologists uh, first started naming storms. And I think that's a pretty helpful practice. A lot of you know about storms that hit our nation because, because they have names. Uh, Hurricane Katrina. I'm always going to remember exactly where I was when I watched this formidable mass come over the Gulf of Mexico and just pound uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, Biloxi, Mississippi, the Gulf Coast area. And I remember the destruction that I got to observe firsthand years later heading down to to New Orleans, uh, do some uh, relief kind of rebuilding work, and seeing that years later there was still like whole swaths, whole areas of the city that were still suffering the consequences and the devastation of, of the storm that had a name. It was Katrina. And some of you remember Hurricane Harvey. Uh, some of you know Superstorm Sandy. They get, they get names, and it personalizes them and helps remember. It probably wasn't the most advisable thing in the 1950s. It wasn't an official thing, but it was just sort of something that the meteorologists started doing because they found it helpful to track. And they were all men at the time, and so they decided to name the storms after their wives and girlfriends. <laughs> this is not a good plan. Uh, not at all. It's like um, trying to explain that one. Uh, there's, a, there's a storm that's just absolutely destroying South Florida. 
honey, it made me think of you, so we named it. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 this is why we need women making leadership decisions. It's so decisions like that don't ever happen. 1970s, equal rights for storms, men and women uh, had the names after the, after the storms. It's a helpful practice, though. And we can even see it now. The SARS-CoV-2 virus strain gets a new name. Coronavirus gets turned into just Rona. A lot of you have seen the billboards heading on like I-96. Don't let Rona ruin your trip. Don't let Rona ruin your get-together, whatever. Stay six feet apart. You've seen this. It's helpful to name the storm so that you know when you're in one. It's helpful to name the storm so that you can have some perspective when you're coming out of one. It's helpful to name the storm, especially as you find yourself sliding into one. Name it, church. It's helpful. If you're in a storm called loneliness, name that. And then you know why you feel the way that you do. It has a name. It's loneliness. It's, it's brought on by isolation. It's normal to feel the way that you do when you've experienced the things that you've experienced. Name that. If you're experiencing bereavement, loss, because of something or someone that's missing, name it. It's helpful. I I think a huge one that honestly in 2020, we're probably not recognizing near deeply enough to name the storm of redirection. I I, I thought coming into the year, coming into whatever, I thought this was what my life was going to be like coming out of it. I studied, I worked hard, I I thought that I was getting ready for this next advancement or this new job, but but now I'm just right on the cusp of that. And the entire world just changed in the last six months. And I'm not doing and I'm not hoping for any of the things that I was doing or that I was hoping for before all of this happened. And so in the redirection, I think sometimes it's helpful to name, listen, I was heading down this road and now that road doesn't exist. I'm heading down this one, and like it or not, it's the road I'm on. It's the storm I'm in. And so in case you you miss it, I I don't want that to happen this morning. The the point of of us getting together, the point of me telling you, is just so you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you you should not overlook the presence of God, even though you might be journeying through a storm. That don't be distracted by the storm in front of you and don't let it pull your attention off from the God who is around you, the God who is beside you, especially this Christmas. I want to tell you about uh, a story of a, of a literal storm uh, that came upon God's people in the New Testament. So if you'd like to follow along, and I encourage you to do so uh, in, your, uh, in your Bibles at home, we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 27, and we started up in verse 20. Let's listen. Is that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. What do we just, what do we just read? Paul has been in prison. Acts 27 happens at the very end of the Acts or the actions of those first followers of Jesus in that book. Uh, Paul was in prison now for a while and he was getting He's getting transported. He's probably hanging out with Luke, who probably wrote the book of Acts. He doesn't get named all that much, but when he's we, it means the prisoners, it means Paul, and, and possibly Luke as well. It was on this prisoner transport trip, except for back then, they wouldn't fly the prisoners. They wouldn't bust them over. They would use boats. And he's headed towards Italy. He's heading towards Rome. He's got to go over the Mediterranean Sea. 
by boat, and this storm comes, and he goes, for days the storm was raging. Days. It got so dark, and you've been in a storm one time that you know what happens when the clouds roll in. It goes almost black, like middle of the afternoon seems like the middle of the night, and the rain is pouring down, and the waves are splashing in. And it's like this this time where the sailors and the prisoners on the boat, they're getting wet, they're getting hit with water, and they don't know because of the chaos and because of the darkness. They don't know if the water is from the rain above them or the waves in front of them. But they know that they're in a storm, and they're scared. And it's been going on for a while. And so it says that, that they gave, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. That's what happens when you can't see. That's what happens when you're in a storm, and you can't see ahead of you, and you can't imagine a time when you're going to be out of it. You give up all hope. I think that's important for your storms that you're going to name this morning is to say that some of the storms that you're in, they have an ending. God has an end date on that storm for you. You just don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. And when we don't know when the end date of the storm is, we imagine it to last forever. And that's when hope is lost. And so I want to reach out and I want to say, if you've ever uttered phrases, or even just held phrases in your heart like, my marriage is never going to be together again. My marriage is never going to improve. I will never find the one. I'm just going to be single all my life. I guess it's just God's will that we will never have a child. The debt is too much. It's insurmountable. I'll never be able to pay it off. Life will never be good again. If you've uttered that phrase, this storm story is for you. It's people giving up all hope. And they need to hear again, not to let the storm in front of them miss out on the God around them. Verse 21 is after... After Paul and Luke and the other prisoners and the sailors on the ship, after that they had all gone a long time without food, they were out there for days. They thought they'd be out there for hours. Uh, Paul stood up before them and he said, listen to this, and he said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Make no mistake about it, Paul is a hero of the faith. Uh, Paul has done incredible accomplishments and have, have served the cause of Christ and his bride, the church, so unbelievably well. He has done so many great things. This just isn't one of them. <laughs> right? This is, this is Paul standing up in the middle of days-long storm when everybody's giving up hope, and he stands up and he says, Hey, guys, remember I told you this was going to happen? And he did earlier in the chapter. He did. He warned him. <laughs> and now he stands up and goes, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, okay, Paul, you did tell us so. That's just not all that helpful, though. In fact, it's even more discouraging. I'll tell you why I think this is more discouraging. At least just, I'm, maybe it's just me talking, but maybe you can relate as well. Is the storm that they were in, they didn't cause but they caused themselves to sail into it. 
It was their fault. The storm that they were in was their fault. This is a hard truth for sometimes. For, for us as Jesus followers, I'm talking to you guys directly here. Uh, those of us who are trying to follow Jesus, it's sometimes very difficult uh, to trust God when the storm that we're in is our choosing. Like sometimes we don't want to... We don't want to believe that we're the ones actually at fault for coming into the storm. We want to believe the devil made me do it. You know, people, others conspired against me to cause this calamity to come upon me. I'm I'm telling you, sometimes you don't need like a pseudo spiritual conspiracy theory to like start to connect the dots. It's a lot more low hanging fruit than that. Like if there's a financial situation, you know, the, uh, the bills that are coming in January are actually somehow connected to the dozen Amazon po- boxes on your front porch right now. Those things, are, those things are connected. And when you find yourself in that storm, a financial storm, next month, like that has something to do with what happened in the previous months. These things are connected. Um, if you find yourself bouncing from job to job to job to job, and it's like a string of unrelated things that you do for a a, a wage hourly. It's not a career. It's not going anywhere. It doesn't have a a particular direction to it. And if you're like, man, I am just adrift, and I have no passion and no purpose, and I don't know, what in the world, God, why did you bring me here only to, like, let me wither? And if you're also somebody who just cannot help but show up on the job site on day one and let everybody, including your supervisor, know that you know more than her, Those things are probably related somehow. The storm that you're in could have something to do with you bringing that thing on. It's hard hard to hear it, I know, which is why I'm glad this is virtual and online right now. I'll tell you one that I see all the time, church. And she sees a boy, and he's so dreamy, he's so cute. And she asks around, you know, hey, I don't know, he's a little rough on the edges, though, but, but I think we can get over that. Mom, what do you think? Do you think we could get over that? And mom's like, are you kidding me? Stay away from him. And so she finds somebody else. Dad, what do you think? I, you know what I think. You got to get steer clear of that boy. She, okay, I'll find somebody, a, a youth leader at church. You know, what do you think? N- no, are you, are you kidding me? A teacher, the pastor, somebody, anybody just going through, finding somebody. Listen, the boy's mom even tells her, you got to stay away from my son. He is not ready for a relationship yet. This is not the thing. But she's like, I can witness to him. I can win him over. He's a little rough on the edges, but just give me a few months. I can change him. Honey, God changes people, not, not us. And the storm that happens, inevitably, a few months later. Listen, sometimes we, we cause our own storms. They cause their own storm. They decided to sail into it against Paul's better judgment. And when that happens to me, when I find myself in a storm of my own creation, it is difficult for me to believe and to trust that God is going to pull me out of a storm that I made. Like, it's easier for me to believe that God is going to pull me out of a storm when God brought me into that storm. When it's some illness that that comes upon me or some relationship thing or, or, or some church thing that, like, I didn't cause and I'm not at fault. It's easier for me to trust that God is going to pull me out of a storm that he brought me into. But when I brought myself into the storm, I delude myself into thinking that I need to be the one to pull myself out of that. 
But could anything sound less like grace than that? What I'm actually doing in that instance is I'm believing at my core, I'm making the mistake of believing that somehow my badness is bigger than God's goodness. And so some of you in the storm that you chose and that you created, and you feel guilty, and then you think that you need to be the one to pull yourself out of that, you need to hear just one more time that, that God's goodness is infinitely greater than yours and mine badness. And he will see you through. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is. He will pull you through. And we see, we see that happening in verse 22. <laughs> Paul says, uh, you should have taken my advice, but, verse 22, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel, he, I know this, because last night, angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. It's like, way to bury the lead, Paul. I mean, an angel, like a literal angel came to you and stood beside you and like told you that everybody was going to be okay. The ship is going to be damaged, but everybody on the ship is going to be safe. An angel told you that, and for days you don't care to mention that? And then when you finally do stand up, you stand up with a message of, I told you so? Come on, Paul. Way to bury it, dude. No, there's an angel next to you. You got to like share that thing. What did the angel? What did the angel tell you? That everybody is going to be okay. Lead with it. Can I? Can I make a confession? Like it's just us. Confession time. I don't really know how like all this angel stuff in the Bible and in the world today. I don't know how it works. I think I skipped that class in seminary. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't totally know how it works. You know, you see things, you hear things about angels in the Bible, right? This Christmas, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and to, and to Joseph and says he's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. I believe that. I believe these stories in the Bible about the angel, angels visiting people. I believe that. I just don't know how it works today. Like, I've heard some things about guardian angels. Is it like a one-to-one -one thing? I don't know. Are there just angels all over the place? Am I like, you know, chopping through an angel? I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. This is what this is what I do know, though. And this is why maybe I never like bothered to like do a deep dive and figuring out how the angel stuff works all the time. It's because what I do know is that they called him Emmanuel, Jesus. They called him. God is with us. And what I do know is that Jesus' last words before he ascended back into heaven, he said, all authority, it's a key word, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I have the authority, and you are in me. And so by the transitive property, I don't know, <laughs> you, you have that authority. And surely I am with you to the very end 
of the age. I think that maybe I never learned how the whole angel thing works is because I believed something so much bigger is that we don't need to rely on an angel and a guardian angel showing up when God is always with us, when Jesus promises to always be with you and he actually lends you his authority, which is crucial information when you are in the midst of your named storm. Uh, several years ago, I heard this story stuck with me. I, I want to share it with you. As somebody's walking down uh, streets of a busy road, and they see a bouncer outside of a club. And uh, you remember those where it's like people all gather around, people outside waiting to get in. And these two guys are like thrown out of the club, and the bouncer comes over, and the guys are somewhat inebriated. They're a little tipsy. Code for very inebriated, very tipsy, and they start getting in this in this like tussle out on the street now, and like with, in front of a bunch of people that are waiting to get in, and they're big dudes. There's two guys tussling. One guy, the bouncer. They're all three of them. They're big dudes. I mean, six feet plus, and like a like a heavy six feet with lots of m- muscles, where their their heads just kind of like go into their bodies, and they don't have much of a neck because it's just it's thick, right? And they're starting to like scrap, you know, and, and, and push. And you can see it's getting more violent. It's getting harder. And people start to get nervous. The bouncer's like, there's two of them and one of me. Like, what am I going to do? And just, just at that moment, this cop car like pulls like right up and does one of those things. You've seen it where they like pull up like with two tires on the curb and the lights are going and there's like one tone of a siren like whoop. And everybody turns and looks. The guys tussle and turn and look. Cop car door opens up. And a woman gets out. And this is not intended to be sexist at all. So don't take it that way. I apologize. But this, this officer of the law is, is no bigger than like four foot 11. I mean, she's a buck 20 with body armor. I mean, she, this, is, this is a petite woman. And she walks up to those two big dudes tussling, you know, a little inebriated. And, and she's like, gentlemen, <clears throat> We got a problem here. You know, and they immediately like start blaming each other, you know, and they start to scrap it again and you know, it starts to get a little bit out of hand and she can sense it. She's done this before and she and she looks back, she puts her hand on her hip like this and she looks at him and says, "Gentlemen, I need both of you to go over to the vehicle and put your hands on the hood." And you wouldn't have believed how quickly these two guys sober up and head on over to the to the hood of her cruiser and put their hands on it. Why? Because she was outnumbered? Sure. Why? Because they were bigger than her? I mean, like, why? Because when she orders them to go over to the vehicle, the the badge that she has on her uniform says that it's not just her asking these two gentlemen to go over to the cruiser. It's actually 12,138 Chicago police officers that are standing with her, ordering them to go over to the hood of her car. You see, she had authority. Church. And so do you. As Jesus says, all authority in heaven And on earth has been given to me, and I am with you always, always, in and out of the storm. I am with you. In verse 24, the angel, Paul says, 
Do not be afraid, Paul. See, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Paul, don't you know? Don't you know that as long as you've got a pulse in you, I'm not finished with you yet? Paul, don't you know that if you're not dead, I'm not done with you? Paul, don't you know you're not going to get lost at sea here? We're going somewhere. We've got an emperor to tell about Jesus in the hope that you have. Paul, I'm not, I'm not finished with you yet. You see, the storm that you're in right now, someday you're going to tell other people about that. Paul, Luke's over here. He's writing the whole thing down right now. He's going to bring hope and encouragement to millions through your storm, church, and you will too. You see, the truth of the matter is that God is going to use what you learn in this storm to help somebody else through theirs. That God has pulled you through that hell of cancer so that you can meet somebody in the pit on their journey and offer them the, the kind of hope and encouragement that they need. That God has, has pulled your marriage through the storm of, of infidelity or unfaithfulness so that you could come alongside and meet somebody else and to tell them that, that someday this storm too will end. God is going to use this you're in to help somebody else through theirs. And to wrap it up, we read just, oh, keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it'll happen just as he told me. Have you seen this year, like, floating around, one of the, one of the meme trends happening on the internet is, like, how it started and, and how it's going, right? Sometimes they're fun, you know, like a boy and a girl see each other in chemistry class and like junior year of high school, how it started, and then like how it's going, and they have like eight kids, and they're presumably living happy, happy ever after. Sometimes it's not so fun, you know, how it started January 2020, and like people are gathered at a party, New Year's, uh, New Year's Day, and it's like how it's going. It's like somebody alone wearing a birthday cap having a party over Zoom, <laughs> I, wanted, I want us to do the, like, how it started, how it's going here. How the story started is they're stuck for days in a storm, and they don't know whether they're getting wet from the water above them or the waves in front of them, and they haven't seen the sun or the stars for days. How it started, how it's going. How it's going is they haven't seen the sun or the stars for days, and they don't know if they're getting wet from the waves in front of them or for the rain above them. It's the same picture. The only difference, the only difference is that Paul is seeing by faith now and he's encouraging you too. The only difference is that, is that faith isn't what I can see. Faith is what God says. And that's what Paul is relying on. He's relying on the fact this storm too will end. And I'm trusting, even though I'm seeing, I'm looking at the same picture, I'm trusting God, not in what I see, I'm trusting God you in, in what you say. And what you tell me is that my peace that's going to be brought is not going to come upon me because a storm goes away. That's not where peace comes from. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they tell these stories about Jesus in a storm and the disciples in a storm and the wind and the waves. It's the same picture and they thought that they were going to die and Jesus is down below the ship and he's sleeping. Why? 
Because peace happens not because the storm goes away. Peace is not the absence of a storm. Peace is the presence of a Savior. And if you need to experience the presence of a Savior today, listen, drop a comment below. Send us a private message. Email us, prayer or help at encounterchurch.org. We want to be with you. We want to introduce you this Christmas to the Prince of Peace. In his name is Jesus. And so, God, we pray to you as our Prince of Peace. And how we started, we recognize that we need your peace. Because every one of us, we're either in a storm right now and need hope. We're coming out of a storm and we need perspective. Or God, some of us, we don't even know it, but we're we're going to be heading into a storm and we need preparation. All of these, Lord, we're going to find peace, not because the storm will leave, but because amidst it all, we know you're here. And so, God, when the wind beats and the waves hit us, show us the way forward, Jesus. Show us your presence. Show us your mercy. Show us your grace. Show us your way. Amen.